Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com. Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down or call 630-629-1720. Morningstar Books and Gifts, 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loya. Once again, happy to have Katie Gullis here with us. We're getting into that season that many of you do a lot of letter writing, a lot of catching up on contacts, in other words, Christmas cards and letters like that. And so we're getting letters here as well at Light of the East. And of course, we do enjoy hearing from you anytime during the year, not just during this season. We've entered the season preparing for the Nativity of our Lord. There was a coming of our Lord, of our God, in the flesh, as we say in the Byzantine Church, the great incarnation, the great divine condescension. As we lead up to that great event, we do so always in the Eastern Church by cleaning house, cleaning our spiritual houses, which can even include cleaning our physical homes as well, our entire environment. That was cleaning up our act in preparation for the great guest that's coming, the great bridegroom coming to wed his bride in the incarnation. And so we enter the period of what's called the Philip's Fast in the many Eastern churches, which is a period of penance. It's like a Lent. And we call it Philip's Fast simply because it begins on the day which happens in the Byzantine calendar to be the Feast of St. Philip the Apostle. So it just happens to be the 40 days prior to Christmas. So we call it the Philip's Fast. And as always, because it's a fasting period, it does include, of course, fasting, which means Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, we abstain from meat and dairy products. In addition to fasting, we also add on things. In other words, we pull back from things only to replace them with better things, such as more increased prayer, quiet time, meditation, contemplation, quiet time with our Lord, reading of the scripture, and, of course, acts of charity. Now, I mentioned this is a season of letter writing, and we have received some letters and some questions, so we're going to go over those before we get into the rest of our program today. One of the letters comes from a listener. And she is Judy from Glen Ellen, Illinois. And she asked me very simply on behalf of her son, who's a ninth grade student, where can she get information about what the church says in regard to this whole subject of evolution, you know, creation evolution? I'll give you a very simple answer, Judy. You can get this information by going to colbycenter.org. The colbycenter.org. And Colby is spelled like Maximilian Colby, the saint. Colby, K-O-L-B-E, K-O-L-B-E, colbycenter.org. Org. That would be one of the best references for getting the truth about what the church says in regard to evolution. And also, if you can look up any of the work of Dr. Richard Sternberg, Dr. Richard Sternberg's work, some of his talks 
can be acquired by going to theologyofthebody.net. That's theologyofthebody.net. So I hope that helps you out, Judy, and have a blessed, blessed preparation season for Christmas. By the way, in the Western Church, this is called Advent. In the Western Church, the color of Advent is this kind of a purplish color. And a lot of people don't realize that even the Western Church, and it's actually a color of penance. And we use the same color in the Eastern Church. We kind of have a generic term for it. We call it dark colors. We generally say dark or light colors. That can mean a lot of things. So for us, the penitential color is purple or red or black. Anything that's deep and dark like that. In the West, it's the purple. It's also penitential. Now, in the West, they have a kind of a connotation of Advent being a time of joyful anticipation, which, yes, it is. But that color purple is not so much for joy as it is an ancient color in the church, east and west, for penance. So Lent, the preparation for Christmas, these seasons are penitential, and yes, at the same time, they are joyful. Because as we repent and pray more and more charitable, we become a happier person because we become holier, more whole as a person. And so again, it's kind of a, once again, that bright sadness. So we look at this time of preparation as a time of penance, but also a time of joy. Another listener and this is a good friend of ours. His name is Anthony, who, like other of our listeners, is serving time in prison. He's in Texas, and he has several questions. We won't get to them all today, but there's one couple in particular. He's asking for, once again, resources. I didn't want to get to him about these resources he's been asking us about, and those of you who are listening might avail yourselves of these resources as well. One of those sources is called the Eastern Christian Churches, a brief survey by Father Ronald Roberson. The Eastern Christian Churches, A Brief Survey by Ronald Roberson. Anthony was asking because he was referring to a program we had done some time back about comparing the Cyril Malabar and Cyril Malincar churches, and I made a reference to this book, and he wanted to know that reference. Uh, Many people ask me about this book as well. In fact, any work by Father Ronald Roberson is very, very good. He's actually a Roman Catholic priest, but he kind of monitors, I call it, spies on the Eastern churches. He puts out a lot of great information about the Eastern churches in general. He works for the Catholic bishops, so if you go through anything that has to do with Father Ronald Roberson, you'll find a lot of great information about the Eastern churches and what's happening there. Also, Anthony wanted to know the address for the Byzantine Seminary Press. Oftentimes we refer to that for books and icons and so on. Many of you also want to know. So very simply, the Byzantine Seminary Press is in Pennsylvania. It's in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The address is 3605. Perrysville Avenue. That's 3605 Perrysville, P-E-R-R-Y-S-V-I-L-L-E, Perrysville Avenue in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The, The zip code is 15214, 15214. Their phone number, it's area code 412-322-8307. That's 412-322-8307. Good resource for things Byzantine or Eastern Catholic and Orthodox. In other words, Eastern Long of the Church. Like I said, text, icons, all kinds of things. And our liturgical calendar as well. You can get pick up one of our liturgical calendars and follow us along here on Light of the East because, as you know, we do a lot of information. We give a lot of information, do a lot of work on the liturgical calendar of the year. It's always a fascinating subject. So once again, we thank you for your letters and cards and gifts. <laughs> Donations of any kind are always appreciated, especially during this season of giftedness, but all year round as well. Oftentimes on our program here in Light of the East, we have many guests. 
And sometimes if we can't have the guest live here, we have them with a telephone, or we have a guest, as we have right now today, kind of with us vicariously through an interview that we came across. And Katie and I are going to share that interview with you. It's a, a guest whose name is Cardinal Lubomir Hussar, who is Ukrainian cardinal, Ukrainian Byzantine Catholic cardinal in Ukraine. That's right, Father Tom. And the church in Ukraine was supposed to disappear. Communists tried to liquidate it in 1946, but believers took that faith underground in the catacombs for more than 40 years. Mm-hmm. And Lubomir Hussar, a future leader of the church in Ukraine, was born in Kiev in 1933. But amid the communist uproar, his family fled the country, first finding refuge in Austria and then settling in the United States in 1949. They lived in the States for 20 years, and young Lubomir would pursue his priestly vocation there, becoming a priest of the Ukrainian Eparchy of Stamford, Connecticut in 1958. Today at age 77, and now cardinal since 2001, he is the major archbishop of Kiev. In this interview given to the television program Where God Weeps of the Catholic Radio and Television Network, in cooperation with Aid to the Church in Need, the Cardinal reflects on the hand of divine providence in his church that was supposed to disappear, and the interviewer Mark Reedman begins by asking the Cardinal, You are now responsible for the Greek Catholics not only in Ukraine, but also in the diaspora, and many of them are in the United States. Do you see that providence brought you to the United States early so that you could learn the culture and the people there? And Cardinal Hussar responded, I'm personally convinced that the history of our church for the last, let's say, 130 years, from the time when the first wave of immigrants came to the U.S., this would be from the 1880s to the 1890s, that this whole movement, which was then repeated after the First and Second World War, was somehow providential, that our church could establish herself in North and South America and was able to survive the trying years when the church in the motherland was persecuted helped us very, very much. I think today there is another fourth wave coming to the U.S. and Canada, and they are finding a new home for themselves in the churches that have existed for a hundred years. Katie, many people ask me if there are any Byzantine or Eastern Catholic cardinals. Well, Cardinal Lubomir Hussar, of course, is one. So it's a little answer for some of our listeners. Yes, there are Byzantine or Eastern Catholic cardinals, and Cardinal Hussar is one of them. You know, Katie, we've had Cardinal Hussar on our program in the past here in Light of the East. Now he's with us again, as I said, vicariously through this interview. And I had the privilege of meeting him, seeing him a few times. And Cardinal Hussar was actually the choice of a journalist. I think it was in Newsweek magazine. It was his choice for Pope, actually. (laughs) So there are actually people who consider that he might actually be a candidate for Pope. And maybe he was. I don't know how... Of course, no one knows secretly how he was in the running, but there were people who, who commented on that, you know, incredible people. So he's an interesting figure, interesting figure ecumenically and for the whole church. And Father Tom, Cardinal Hussar continued by saying, I somehow also feel that it is providential that we can serve the community, not only our own community helping to maintain the faith and tradition, but that we can also witness to others about the true Catholicity of the church, the broadness of the church, her capability of existing in various cultures and languages, and I feel that somehow this is also an act of divine providence. Well, we're going to hear more from our vicarious guest here on Light of the East, Cardinal Lubomir Hussar of Ukraine. When we return, I'm Father Thomas Loya here with Katie Gullis on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. 
You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. I am Father Thomas Loya. You are listening to the cries and lamentations of the Holy Father's spiritual children of the Eastern Catholic Churches in Iraq. These modern-day martyrs are experiencing a genocide at the hands of people who are seeking to purge the entire Middle Eastern world of Christianity, while the rest of the world takes little notice. Within the recent years, thousands of Eastern Catholics in Iraq have become martyrs for Christ. The rest have become refugees. Help the vulnerable children of Christ in Iraq. Now, by donating at iraqichristianrelief.org. iraqichristianrelief.org. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church has something special for your holiday table this Christmas season. Now imagine an incredibly delicious nut roll or poppy seed roll from the kitchens of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. These ample and substantial old world treats are over a foot long, made with loving care from old world recipes. Just $15 each. To order your nut roll or poppy seed roll, call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Pick up at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, 14610 Wilcook Road in Homer Glen, Illinois. Can't get to the church? We'll put it in the mail. Just add $5. Call 708-645-0241. That's 708-645-0241. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church, nut and poppy seed rolls. Welcome back to Light of the East, as we are well into now this season of the Philip's Fast, as we call it in the Byzantine Catholic Church, the name coming from the Feast of St. Philip, which just happens to fall 40 days before Christmas. That's why we call it the Philip's Fast. It really doesn't have anything to do with Philip himself, other than it's kind of an easy way to remember it. It's a Feast of St. Philip, and then we enter the fasting period after that. And again, it involves prayer and fasting and works of charity. Going to confession, that's a very big one. Get to confession. It's how we prepare. Remember, we clean house for the coming of the Lord. We're having an interview here vicariously with our guest, Cardinal Lubomir Hussar of the Ukraine. And Katie had a lot more things to say in this interview. That's right, Father Tom. The next question said, you first went back to Ukraine at the end of communism. What was your first impression when you came back to Ukraine? And Cardinal Hussar said, I visited Ukraine for the first time in 1990, and it was very short, only for 10 days. I met some priests and lay people. The impression was, I would say, somewhat mixed because, on the one hand, I was facing the reality of those people who had gone through a very, very hard period. And on the other hand, I realized that these people, because of what they had gone through, had been also greatly damaged. I have been in Ukraine for almost 15 years permanently now, and I'm amazed. Not every day, but almost every day, I discover something new about the reality which was and what effect, what consequences it left in the hearts of the people. The Communist Party, supported by the Communist state, tried very assiduously and in a very refined way to change people, to make them forget that they are creatures of God, and to really convince them that they are creatures of the state, that they are completely dependent on the state. In other words, trying to make them assume a different nature and morality. This is still with us today, although people have, thanks be to God, in good numbers, maintain their faith and go to church in great numbers. 
but living a Christian life daily doesn't come easy for them because they have been educated in a different way, contrary to the principles of Christian morality. Yeah, this is a very important point, Kate. A lot of people don't realize this is some of the fallout of communism. Not only was communism bad when it existed, horrible, horrific, demonic, but there's this terrible fallout where generations have been raised without a sense of God and therefore, correspondingly, of morality, of just how to be, even of motivation. I was there a few years ago in that region, and one of the things that struck me was the lack of motivation, the industriousness. In other words, how to, in a sense, make money, seize opportunities to make business, to make economy, to uh, apply yourself. They just don't have that motivation because the state did everything for them. And as a result, this then affects the economy. The economy is, is very difficult over there. Conditions are very poor over there overall. And it's because they, their motivation was killed because communism was so dehumanizing. It strikes at what is so true and essential about the human spirit. That's why it's a devastating thing. And its fallout continues on. It's going to take a, a while for them to come around. Like you said, a lot of great things there, a lot of great deep faith and fervor, especially among the young people. At the same time, there's this kind of confusion, this lack of motivation, this not really knowing how to live morally and properly. You have things like, you know, the Russian mob, you know, hear about that. You have a lot of corruption, deep corruption, a lot of alcoholism. This is all a fallout of communism. At the same time, it's a place of a very, very deep and long history of faith. You know, touching on that fallout, Cardinal Hussar was next asked, what would be the deepest lingering scar that communism has left on the hearts or spirituality of the people? And he said, I do not know if I would be able to identify any one particular, the worst scar, so to say, but generally it is the lack of trust in people and neighbors and even members of one's own family. Because the whole system was set up on a system of fear, mm-hmm. and that fear consisted of not trusting anyone. Yes, terrible, terrible. You see that in them, too. You see in the immigrants. There's a very, sometimes you see them, and they're, um, in, by nature, they're very actually very loving and warm people. But at the same time, many times you encounter this kind of, this coldness, this standoffness. They get that stare, like, who are you? Are you a friend or foe? You know? But they couldn't trust it. Not even family members. Not even family members could they trust. You know, they would turn against each other because of communism. The interview Mark Reedman went on to talk about the relationships between Mm -hmm. the East and the West. And he said, you once said the problem is the East, that is the Byzantine tradition, does not know the West, the Latin church, and the West does not know the East. What did you mean by this? And Cardinal Hussar said, I meant this almost literally. In this sense, that Western Europe, which is of Latin culture, and Eastern Europe, which is basically of Byzantine culture, do not know one another simply by the fact of historical circumstances. There has not been a sufficient exchange. There may be two reasons for it. One may be an external reason, the political situation, the political division between Western and Eastern Europe, which was very obvious during the Cold War, the Iron Curtain. Such mentalities of an iron curtain have been there for many decades, maybe even centuries. The second aspect is that Western Europe, mainly a Latin culture, has also been a Catholic culture, while in Eastern Europe, due to circumstances that have developed over the years and centuries, the Byzantine culture has been primarily identified with what is generally called the Orthodox traditions. I speak here of the Orthodox in a confessional way, which has prevented an easy exchange between these two cultures, which we consequently know today as East and West. This is a very, very another very good point, very great, great insight. I'm glad he brought that up. That came out in the interview, Katie, because 
and one of the things we're obviously we're dedicated to on this program is the riches of the East and West and trying to understand each other, appreciate each other better. Has given some background as to why we have sometimes a misunderstanding or, or lack of awareness of each other. Some of it is due to demographic historical circumstances. As, as you mentioned, the West was a little bit more unified by nature because of their history for a long time under the papacy. So it was basically was one form of Catholic. But the East had a little bit of, of a diversity there. So a lot of people don't understand that the East means a number of diverse expressions of the faith that we call the Eastern churches, and that they include Catholic and Orthodox. In other words, those who are in union with the Pope of Rome and those who are currently not in communion with the Pope of Rome and the Pope is not in communion with them. This uh, lack of communion, of course, all started to happen largely in the uh, 11th century at the Great Schism in 1054 AD. Uh, One of the last questions that Cardinal Hussar asked was one of my favorites because I really liked his response. And the question was this. It said, Pope John Paul II spoke of Europe with two lungs, the Byzantine or Orthodox and the Catholic. What gifts can the Latin Church bring to the Byzantine? And what can the Byzantine or Orthodox tradition bring to the Catholic Church? And Cardinal Hussar said, a little clarification is necessary here because... The Eastern and Western aspect, or both lungs as you say, should not be totally identified between Catholics and Orthodox. The majority of those in the East are Orthodox, and the majority of those in the West are Catholics. However, there are Catholics in the Eastern tradition, so we shouldn't exclusively identify it this way. But what the Holy Father spoke of was an exchange of gifts, spiritually speaking. I think there are certain aspects in the West and in the East, which, if both sides know them, would enrich the East with the West and the West with the East. I will not be able to identify them precisely at this moment, but in general, one of them is faith. And I think that we should be very conscious of the fact that, although we have two lungs, there is always one heart behind it. And that one heart is Jesus Christ, who is recognized by the different cultures in somewhat different ways, but is fundamentally the same Jesus Christ in the West and in the East. However, there are certain accents, and I think these accents should be studied and should be made to be the expression of this exchange of gifts. You know, Katie, that last question about what does the East bring to the West, what does the West bring to the East, is actually one of my favorite questions that I like when people ask me, and also for the purpose of our program, because that really touches on the very mission of this program, Light of the East. We do highlight the gifts of both lungs of the church on this program, but of course, primarily the Eastern lung. And oftentimes when people listen and they hear us talking about the riches, the gifts of the Eastern churches, the Eastern lung, they'll ask me, well, gee, Father Tom, what does the Western church have to offer to the East? And in just a short time that's remaining, I'll give a, my, what is one of my brief answers to this. Naturally, we have lots and lots of riches to offer to each other. But here's how I would answer it. Fundamentally, what the East offers to the West would be the genius of mystery, of living in the both and, of learning and teaching, witnessing to how something can be this and that at the same time. We're really ingenious at that. We talk about God being the righteous judge and the lover of mankind. We're always hiding and revealing things all at the same time. We're always doing things that are in complementary ways in the Eastern Church. And that is really the secret of life. It's where life is lived. It's lived in the intersection of opposites of or paradox or complementarity. It's in the great meaning point of opposites or complementarity, which we heard even from G.K. Chesterton, who used to talk about that a lot and write about that in his books. That is what we mean by mystery or the mystical. Mystical means something revealed and something hidden all at the same time. And that's really the spice of life. 
Also, the Eastern churches are very good at expressing ourselves. In other words, we express everything that we believe, and we use especially the five senses. So in other words, we kind of immerse ourselves. We immerse or touch and participate in the great theological realities that we teach. Now, in terms of the West, the West, I think that one of the great geniuses of the West and the gifts that they give to the East is their sense of, first of all, of unity, of being able to speak in a very unequivocal, unified voice, especially in the person of the Pope. Now, even Eastern Orthodox churches will admit when they're honest enough, they'll say, you know, we do admire that about the West and we kind of need that in the East. The West can speak with that one single voice. The whole world knows where the Catholic Church stands on any particular issue because they have that one particular spokesman when all is said and done, that is the Pope. So the sense of order, the sense of clarity, and the sense of kind of being this big machine that can actually get a lot of things done, such as the Universal Catholic Catechism. Well, there's a whole lot of other riches that we have that we can share with each other, and that's what our program is all about the riches of the Eastern and Western churches, both lungs of the church breathing together. And I want to thank you for listening. I'm here with Katie Gullis. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois 60491. That's Light of the East 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W I L L C O O K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.